0: real news welcome everyone to the Tory Sesh show i'm your host tori today is thursday january 2nd 2020 that's one two two zero two zero uh we're in a new decade i wonder if the people in 1920 felt the same way uh it's the roaring 20s are we gonna roar this uh decade we'll see we'll see. Only time will tell. But what we can see is that a lot of things are coming to the surface, uh, and we're seeing the global and national political scene uh, ramp up, and so much is coming up that we can't even keep our eye on the ball anymore, because there's just too many balls in the air right now. We've got... uh, you know, Durham indictments. Let's not forget Huber, who's in the background, too. We keep forgetting. And uh, many other U.S. attorneys across the nation. Uh, we have the 2020 elections. We have uh, money laundering through State Department programs, USAID. Uh, we have uh, Ukraine. We have Colombia. We have Venezuela. We have Cyprus. We have, we have, we have. There's just so much out there that I don't. I don't think... Anyone uh, can kind of uh, find which bearing to go to. We have outstanding cases, you know, General Flynn. Uh, We have, you know, the two cases that the president filed against Congress. So much. And, And we have the upcoming supposed impeachment. Now, what's funny is, is that they come back into office on the 6th, right? And what a lot of people don't know, is that the 7th of January is a very important date. Did you know on the 7th of January, 1789, uh, was the first presidential election for George Washington? I kid you not. That's where they were, like, electing delegates for, it was like the first time that they were going to be conducting a presidential election. And another fun fact is, is, is that on January 7th, 1999, it was when the impeachment trial for um, Bill Clinton happened, right? So what are the odds that they're going to initiate the impeachment trial for President Trump on January 7th? I mean, they love numbers. They love these things. They love to keep things on a go, right? That's the way it is. So it's pretty incredible um, how... Things seem to turn. Another thing I wanted to say is I had retweeted on January 1st a tweet from Secretary Pompeo where he thanked the prime minister of Iraq for doing something so quickly, et cetera, et cetera. Well, for some reason, that tweet does, n- does not exist anymore. And, you know, it's not like it's any random account. It came from the Secretary of State. So I'm retweeting that so you can see it uh, right now, um, how that tweet is unavailable. So what happened? Gosh darn oh. it. I didn't screenshot it. I mean, that's the last person you think would remove. Now, um... Another thing fun fact about January seventh again is that in nineteen twenty, exactly a hundred years from that date, five socialists were actually elected by elections, like bona fide socialists. And they were denied to be entered, even though they were elected into the New York State Assembly. So I'm just going to say that it seems like January 7th is something, you know, pretty um, important as a number to many of them. And I'm going to leave it at that. Now, there was a... Uh, short report slash video this morning that I thought I'd like to play for you, which is uh, the New York Times called 2019 The Darkest Year for Journalists because they still claim to be journalists and when we know they're not because journalists don't take sides, journalists don't lie, journalists don't obfuscate, journalists don't amplify false messages. They are supposed to be impartial and they're just supposed to present those things that affect the people, and instead they protect their interests.
1: ...aimed in an article that 2019 was the darkest year yet in journalists in the Trump era, going on to say that, quote, Mr. Trump's vilification of the news media is a hallmark of his tenure and a jagged break from the norms of his predecessors. Once a global champion of the free press, the presidency has become an inspiration to autocrats and dictators who ape... Mr. Trump's cry of fake news. Here with his reaction, Joe Contra, media reporter for The Hill and radio talk show host. Joe, happy New Year to you.
2: Happy New Year.
1: So, uh, 2019, uh, darkest year yet for journalists, according to the New York Times?
2: I would disagree with that profoundly. And I know under another administration, the previous one, There were some pretty dark times for journalists then, I remember that. Really? Sure. you got uh, our Mr. Rosen. Oh, exactly. James Rosen, formerly of this network, was spied upon, called a flight risk. His parents Mm -hmm. were spied upon. The Obama administration, Steve, rejected more FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act requests, than any other administration. They seized hundreds of phone records from individual journalists at the Associated Press. I don't remember the New York Times talking about how that was a dark time for journalists because they agreed with the administration. administration that was in power at that time the Obama administration quite frankly they have not endorsed a Republican for president in more than 60 years.
1: Well you know Joe when you think about the press you always want access to the president. Yeah. Name a president who has been on TV or, you know, if there's a camera over there at Mar-a-Lago and there's a microphone, he's going to walk up to it and talk to uh, whoever is going to ask him questions
2: until they're done asking questions. We always hear how President Trump is a big threat to journalists and reporters. I've never seen more books written about one president, more successful books, and to your point, a more accessible president than Donald Trump in terms of he has taken more questions directly from reporters than Obama, Bush, Clinton, Bush Senior, Reagan, go back through the broadcast era. He has taken more questions. Therefore, how is he a threat? Therefore, if mm. you're st-
0: and let's note that he doesn't tell them what questions to be asked. Right? They don't get a little piece of paper from President Trump's staff and says, "Ask this question." Right? They don't at all. But all others did they'll even they, there were even times where i heard hussein obama i heard clinton when she was secretary of state i heard bill clinton i heard george bush jr and uh, from watching videos George Bush Sr., where they're like, "Um, I already said I'm not answering questions about that. So when did you already said it? Did your press already canvass the press pool in the White House and say, who's going to ask this question here, take this piece of paper, ask this question, ask this question? That's called propaganda, not journalism. And this president has been more transparent than anyone, and I say it again and again and again, the one thing that we need to focus on is what he tells us, not what the media tells us. Listen, to your president, read his tweets, because those are the important ones.
2: Speaking right to the man himself.
1: Well, uh, according to the New York Times, uh, Mr. Trump used the term fake news 273 times. That could be a political thing. Yeah. Uh, it could be spin. But then again, how many times have stories
2: turned out not to be true? Every study, and I, I pore over these things, research from nonpartisan mm-hmm. places like Pew, ...show that this president has been covered at a clip of 92% negative, 93% negative. Mm-hmm. So when he criticizes them back, they're not, they're not used to that from presidents, he is exercising his First Amendment right to criticize those who are... It's not just that the reporting is negative, right. it has become obviously hostile. And with the Mueller report, it was always for two years... Based on the assumption that President Trump is guilty until proven Mm -hmm. innocent, instead of the other way around, he has every right to criticize the press.
1: Back in the olden days, when I went to journalism school, reporting was just the facts. But now, when you read a lot of these news stories... There's a lot of opinions in there, and they're not opinions from somebody who's a source. It's opinions of the writer.
2: Right. It's almost like a Dear Diary type of thing, right? Like, here are the facts, but here's how I feel about Mm -hmm. it as well. I don't know if you'll remember the movie Broadcast News, 1987. Right. And at one point, uh, you have an anchor on there saying, you know what? I think we're all going to be okay now. And there's this curmudgeon of a director in the control room saying, who the hell cares what you think? Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of Americans are thinking right now I don't want to know what you think I just want to know the facts and the bottom line is we even have the New York Times today talking about how hundreds of Iraqi mourners tried to storm the U.S. Embassy, mourners, really.
1: The, the people who lit
2: the place on fire? those yeah. people. I believe they're supportive of Hezbollah. Hmm. Hezbollah is a terrorist organization. Call them for what they are. So when we see things like this calling these people that tried to attack a U.S. Embassy mourners, that's why there's distrust in the media. That's not the word I would use. I would say terrorist or pro Iran Okay,
0: terrorists are pro-Iranian, blah, blah, blah. Hold on a second, guys. Uh, we're surprised. Wasn't WAPO the one that put out a whole full obituary for a terrorist? Right? I mean, can we not see that? That's the thing, you guys, that this isn't something that they're hiding from you. They aren't pretending to be your friend or real news. They're in your face, and they're telling you exactly what they're doing. And... You know, we're just eating it up. I wanted to point out um, just how fake news they are and how malicious they are. Uh, Fox and Friends had uh, back it was back in July of 2018. Uh, they had booked, they were booking, uh, Anne uh, Kirkpatrick to discuss her pro ice views, right? But during the interview, they realized that the woman that was speaking was actually, uh, actually Barbara Latalian and she was slamming Trump and CNN did a whole segment on this. I want you to listen to it, how they were so happy that there was a booking mistake and they had a surprise guest surprise, right on Fox and friends. So she could slam president Trump. This is a very important interview. So I want you to listen to this because this has flown completely uh, under the radar for all of you out there that know how bookings happen. Uh, on radio, on TV, anything. uh, This kind of mistake doesn't really happen. Take a listen. Great. They didn't have that. Patrick, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Tell us why you do support ICE.
3: Good morning. I'm actually here to speak directly to Donald Trump. I feel that what's happening at the border is wrong. I'm a mother of four, and I believe that separating kids from their parents is illegal and inhumane. I'm actually Barbara Latalian. I'm a
0: state senator representing a large immigrant community and running for Congress in Massachusetts. So tell me, how did a mistake like that happen? Once they realized it, Again, you know, my name is fee Barbara was County cut. And I... So who was the one that did that, right? She identified herself on the screen. It said Kirkpatrick was the only Dem candidate behind ICE. And suddenly they find a Democrat from Massachusetts to hijack their feed, right? That's pretty interesting. Very interesting. And I say this to you because this will make a lot of sense going forward. Very interesting. So... Uh, Another thing that I wanted to um, play for you is where President Trump said this will not be a Benghazi. Uh, We all know, uh, you know, when, when I heard about all this stuff going on in Iraq, I told you it was the change makers, people that are in his circle, people that have been working with the Obama Foundation for Change. And, oh, look. He had visited the White House before. He was leading it. I told you it was organized. There were porta-potties. There were bottles of water being distributed, signs, flags. It was so well organized, so well funded. And again, Iran cut in two, right? So here's what the president had to say as he was going into his New Year's Eve party. Take a listen. Mm, let's, Let's see if I can skip it. There we go. There he is.
4: Everybody, happy new year! Happy new year. We're gonna have a great year. I predict, I think it's gonna be a fantastic year. We had the best economic year, I think, in our country's history, and I think we're really set for additional growth and jobs and everything else. It'll be great, Kevin.
0: So the question you can't hear is, like, we just want to know how are you handling this situation that's going on in Iraq.
4: Well, I think it's been handled very well. The Marines came in. We had some great warriors come in and do a fantastic job. And they were there instantaneously, as soon as we heard. Uh, I used the word immediately. They came immediately. And uh, it's in great shape. As you know, this will not be a Benghazi. Benghazi should never have happened. This will never, ever be a Benghazi. But we have some of our greatest warriors there. They got in there very quickly. As soon as we saw there was a potential for problems, they got in and there was no problem whatsoever. I also want to thank the Iraqi government. They really stepped up. I spoke to the Prime Minister today. I thanked him. Uh, but they stepped up very nicely.
0: Are you going to war with Iran? I don't think
4: that would be a good idea for Iran. It wouldn't last very long. Uh, do I want to? know? I want to have peace, I like peace, and Iran should want peace more than anybody, so I don't see that happening, no, I don't think Iran would want that to happen, it would go very quickly. Well, we'll see, Uh, I have a very good relationship with Kim Jong-un, I know he's uh, sending out certain messages about Christmas presents, and I hope his Christmas present is a beautiful vase. That's what I'd like, a vase, as opposed to something else. I, I don't know. I Look, he likes me. I like him. We get along. Uh, he's representing his country. I'm representing my country. We have to do what we have to do. But he did sign a contract. He did sign an agreement talking about denuclearization, and that was signed, number one, that was done in Singapore. And... I think he's a man of his word, so we're going to find out. But I think he's a man of his word. Well, the impeachment thing is a hoax. It's a big, fat hoax. We had, I guess, 196 to nothing with the Republicans. We had three Democrats come over. One actually joined our party, as you know, which is, I think, a record. I don't think that's been done before in terms of somebody coming in like that or to vote like that. But he joined our party from new jersey He's going to be fantastic and uh, no i think i look forward to it i think we'll see we have absolutely we did nothing wrong all you have to do is read the transcripts if you read the transcripts or you could also do something else you could go see or speak to the president of ukraine And the president of Ukraine said loudly and boldly, and I appreciate his statement, he said it many times, there was no pressure. The foreign minister of Ukraine said there was absolutely no pressure. And that's the whole case right there. There was no pressure whatsoever. I do say two things. We have to check corruption, and we also have to find out why is it that the United States is always giving foreign countries money at Germany and France and all of Europe, they're not doing much. In fact, they're not doing anything relative to this. Why is it always the United States? I've been asking you those questions and making those statements for a long time to everybody standing here. Nobody ever mentions that. That was part of it. In fact, that's in the transcript also. I talk about a very good woman, to be honest with you, Chancellor Merkel. But I said, where is Chancellor Merkel? Where is... President Macron of France, why aren't they putting up money? Why is it always the United States? Nobody ever covers that, but that's a big factor. So I think that's going to go very quick. I think it's going to go very easy. We have tremendous, and you know, I have to say this, we have tremendous Republican support. What the Democrats did in the House was a disgrace. What they did, how unfair it was, we didn't get lawyers, we didn't have witnesses, we didn't do anything. And still, we got 100% of the Republican votes, and it was bipartisan because we got three Democrats. So I think the impeachment thing, I call it impeachment light. It's a disgrace. And Nancy Pelosi should be ashamed of herself. She's a highly overrated person. I know her well. She's highly overrated.
0: Now, I'm going to stop it right there, and I'm going to give you a little bit of insight in uh, regards to this Russia hoax. So the US intelligence community as the mainstream media the fake news media keeps saying is that um Russia interfered in the 2016 presidential election. What they say is that 17 intelligence agencies came together and that um you know uh th- you know that Russian interference is a fact and the matter is going to come out with the Mueller investigation. You remember all that. They proved it uh, with their own reporting. So, you know, the intelligence community as a whole has not itself been tasked to make a judgment, okay? And uh, people of that community were... Highlighted as proof of Russian interference through their statements. Now, as someone myself that has worked in that community, uh, to the level of, you know, where you need to have a password to access things, like things weren't even classified. They were just like a word. It could have been like umbrella or galoshes, right? Um, you have to understand that that's not... The way the intelligence community reports and works. And out of everything, the only agencies that we consider intelligence agencies that have validated themselves, self validation, self declaration of Russian interference, two of them are only intelligence agencies. We have the NSA, the CIA, and the FBI, which is law enforcement, but for some reason they're considered part of the intelligence community when they're pretty much just the grunts. They're law enforcement. They're not supposed to have specific clearances unless working on things when they're cooperating with an intelligence That's the way it should be, right? But we saw with Peter Strzok, who was completely part of the central clown agency, right, the, the the intelligence and in air quotes agencies, he was supposedly FBI. We all know he wasn't. We all know that Comey went to the farm. We all know that Schiff has gone to the farm. Most of these people have gone through training. So they have a report that they had put together called Intelligence Community Assessment. But that isn't even a fact. That doesn't even exist. You will never get all your intelligence communities to work together because none of them Crosstalk. Well, there's crosstalk, you know, on certain subjects, but it's not like if I work for a specific agency, I'm not going to share information with another one unless there is a need to know. So, a community intelligence community assessment, I see total BS that doesn't ever exist. So, if you hear anyone pandering that, first rubbish. Now, agencies, all of them, when we get uh, a report, you know, or anything, if there's something that, say, like, for example, you work for Agency A, I work for Agency B, you know, and Joe Schmo works for Agency C. Now, Agency C has a higher clearance than both of us, and we're like, yo, so it's like Russian interference, and, you know, they paid for advertisements in Facebook. And then Agency C will put a little footnote. You know how all these footnotes are 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 redacted, right? Yeah, so... um. So Russia paid 150 thousand dollars in Facebook ads, not really influencing. You need at least 1.5 million to commit any influence. 150 thousand is like a dollar in Facebook ads. Um, that would be the equivalent <laughs> of its impact. So every agency would put um, when they don't. Now that is how you would know that the intelligence community as a whole work together. But I urge you to look at the Mueller report. I urge you to look at this supposed intelligence community assessment and see how other agencies, so you won't see like, you know, different three letter agencies or names saying on topic this, our assessment is this, and a, nothing. So, first of all, not a community assessment. Done. Okay, I'm just walking you through this. Now, as you know, these findings are only three agencies, right? And that's even a problem because one of them is not considered intelligence. FBI is not considered intelligence. So it implies because these three agencies, only two of which are considered intelligence, that everybody did it. All 17 agents, rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. And here's the thing. The report wasn't even prepared, you know, from analysts, um, uh, you know, across the board. It was pretty much selected, right, by the DNI at the time, Clapper. And he even told that to the Senate. On May 8, 2017, he said, we handpick seasoned experts from each of the contributing agencies, so CIA, NSA, FBI, and FBI is not considered an intelligence agency, okay? It shouldn't be, but it's become murky, right? He said that they were handpicked. So if you handpick someone, you're handpicking what you want to be on paper you're hand picking the narrative you are selecting what you are putting forward okay so uh, people who were picked knew exactly what their director at the time clapper wanted them to say right it's kind of like you know a boss picks you that's like, say you're in a PR firm. Let's, let's make it super simple, right? Say you're in a PR firm and the guy that, you know, picked you was all about pets and pet food and the whole nine yards, right? He just loved that, you know, spiel. Then at the end of the day, if he picked you, you know you need to talk about animals and fluffy doggies and kitties. You're not going to sit there and talk about walruses or books, you know what he wants. getting it. So anyway, I will um, see you guys all in a bit. I'm waiting for actually Scott Adams to come on because I think a good discussion of the things that are here is warranted. So he'll pop on at some point uh, so that way we can have like a roundtable discussion of what's going on. But what I, uh, what I wanted to let you go with was the fact that the DNI and his um, intelligence council – were hand-picked, and that was actually something he could do that was specifically created in 9-11, which is pretty bizarre. I'll see you all right after this short break. Alright, welcome back everyone to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host Tory. So today I am going to give you 2020 vision to understand how the intelligence community works. Like I said, the FBI never, ever, 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 ever opines on anything national security. I'm telling you that straight up. Okay, never. I'll tell you about a group that you probably never heard of. It's called the INR. <laughs> right? And this is a group. It's called the Bureau of Intelligence and Research. Okay? So who is and, and who are the INR? That's a, an agency you haven't heard of and an agency that did not put together this report. If anything, and I'm speaking from experience, ever came up in regards to national security, okay, Uh you would have reports from the CIA and the DIA and the INR of the State Department, okay? So the INR is within the State Department. Um, so the fact that the INR was omitted, okay, uh, was a big deal. But I want to tell you about a council, where strategists, intelligence strategists, are part of. And this is under the DNI, what Clapper would um, have. And it's called the National Intelligence Council, the NIC. And the NIC is filled with experts from different areas that literally create this bridge between all of the intelligence communities. So have you ever seen a movie where the world is ending and then they like run up to this house with black SUVs and they're like, you're an exobiologist, we need you. And then she's like, okay, honey, I'm going to call my friend who I'm not really in a relationship with, but he's like totally good friend, right? And I'm going to leave you for a bit because duty calls. So she is an expert and the National Intelligence Council had nominated her to come in and input for something about national interest. So someone may come to you, hey, you're an expert in these cultures, that language, those sources, this, this, this. Come aboard. We need you to strategize with us. So the NIC is the only group of persons that are experts that Clapper didn't call. So that seems to be bizarre. We have the media telling us that all the intelligence communities concurred that it's Russian interference, but the only unit under the DNI that is compiled of different experts, intelligence experts, that have clearances higher than you can even imagine, right, most of which are now going to be sequestered with Space Force, um, you know, come together and as great minds strategize and provide their input. It's kind of like you coming to me about um, a localization or, you know, language or, you know, my math, my predictive math, right? I'm a specialist in that. So you would come to me for that. So if the, if the NIC wasn't communicated by Clapper, how did everybody get together? Flag, super flag, this is bigger than the 80 foot flag that they want to take down that Lemonist, who hates President Trump by the way, but loves America, bigger than that. Super flag. Like, oh my gosh, you could see it from space. A great wall of China. Pfft. Nothing compared to this huge red flag for anyone that knows what they're talking about. So this is it's now time for us to see how these indictments are coming on because you can see the huge red flags. No NIC. So then when you move on, you would have in national security, under the purview of the NIC, the CIA, the DIA, and the INR of the State Department chit-chatting together. Now, you would never, ever, 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 have the FBI involved, unless it was about rounding up some drug lord, rounding up some money launderer, money, or something like that, law enforcement stuff, you know, blue suits, guns, badges, that's it. Not, hey, let's sit down and strategize. Let's talk about Christopher Steele, or let's talk about this asset, that asset. No, that doesn't happen. So, the NSA also has no business in that group. CIA, DIA, INR, over pur- pur- purview is what? The National Intelligence Council, the NIC, the NIC. So the NIC sits on top of all of these agencies to coordinate. NSA would never, ever, ever, ever be in on this. They would never offer an opinion. They would never offer anything. The only thing that they would do is providing recordings, providing intelligence that other agencies um, can, but they are not allowed to opine. The intelligence community cannot have, the NSA cannot have an opinion. So just so you know, the fact that one, the NIC was missing, like Clapper didn't go to the NIC, and the fact that the INR, which is the most important division in what? Foreign policy was not part of this. It means, how the heck did the intelligence community actually do this? Are you seeing it? It's like saying, well, I'm cooking marinara, and it's like, but I'm not going to have tomatoes, and I'm not having basil. And you're just like, wait a minute, two very important components to make marinara sauce, and you're not included in them. This is not marinara sauce. This is where it comes in. Okay, so anyone who is smart, anyone who knows their job, and all these people out there, I'm former intelligence and I am totally doing journalism and telling you they're telling you nothing one they don't know and their clearance in intelligence was super duper low but the question you should ask is let's just go to the basics journalists know this why was the INR not involved in this supposed intelligence community assessment why was the INR not tapped in during Mueller's investigation Hmm. and then the other one should be um How did the NSA, the CIA, and FBI, who never, ever worked together, you know, how did all of their dudes agree with the same stuff across the board? And how did you decide I'm going to pick this one, this one, this one? And all of them, you know, obviously with nasty text about Trump, the picking, right? Because if you hand pick it's like me hand picking people, you know, that'll say good stuff about my work. <laughs> it's like, you know, when they when they ask you for references and you're like, yeah, I'll give you a reference. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to put this person. You know, we worked together for so long. So you better like whatever Yeah, you're going to ask him. It's like, no, just if you have nothing to hide, just give HR and and and. And then it'll be impartial, right? But that's the thing. You don't do things like that when you have something to hide. You don't put general numbers. You don't put general names. You handpick. You don't cut canvas and say who's available. So here's the thing. The content that was put together, um, you know, was done so through the CIA. If it was military national security, we would have the defense intelligence, well, we would have the DIA. And if it was political, it would be the INR. So, obviously, this was political, right? The State Department should have been involved, foreign policy, foreign politics, but they were never activated. Do you see the sham? I'm telling you the sham. That's the way it is. So, think. Think of this. So, when they're putting these reports together, right, right? The CIA and the FBI are both political appointments, right? Brennan, politically appointed. Comey, politically appointed. But the NSA chief is supposedly a military officer. Remember how Barack Hussein Obama changed that stuff with the ID and stuff? Oh, I'm just saying. He is supposed to do only one thing, and that's collect information, right, Rather than analyze how it's being taken, and, you know, we're all cryptographers and, um, and communications, uh, you know, firewall security, etc. So if you put it in a box, when President Trump says it's a hoax, it's a freaking hoax. Russia hoax. Those journalists, both on the right and the left, those that claim they know, oh, I know, and let me tell you, and oh, isn't this interesting, and they just send really smart tweets, and then you have CNN and the New York Times, oh, this is where they fail. So the bottom line for you to carry over is, if it was indeed Russia meddling, why wasn't the INR, the State Department's INR, recruited by Brennan by Clapper to help with this. Mm. Right? So why? How is the U.S. intelligence community suddenly just one blase gray thing assessing intentions and capabilities? How does that happen? Tell me. It doesn't. Now, another thing that you have to know is that they started to talk about the DNC's hack. We talked about this. And that they, uh, and then it was like, and then it was this, and we saw all these teddy bear things and all this coding and all this rubbish, blah, blah, blah. And they gave it to WikiLeaks, but they forget to tell you that those were leaked before WikiLeaks, right? They forget to tell you that because they leaked them. That was there. So here is where it goes that the report that they put together in regards to the hacking and the foreign, you know, um, you know, Sur- surveillance that we had, and all this stuff, is just fake. There's no paper trail. In fact, the NSA and the CIA, right, worked together right, to just get it leaked. I'm telling you. Like, it is so dumb. Like, if you actually see the Guccifer stuff they put out, it's like, it doesn't even show any cross, like, any cross-talk hacking. It was... It was done locally. Like, it is so so much BS. And not only that, you see that the code that they said, oh, look, it happened like this and for this and that, it was manufactured. It was Chinese code where they attached Russian code to make it look Russian. And it was so bizarre. And even WikiLeaks showed that they had committed what? Forgery, coding, forgery. Who did that? Oh, yeah, that's right. We've got Platte River Networks. We've got CrowdStrike. Jeez. Hmm. You think, you know, we hear all these liberals and all these clowns cr- screaming to the top of their lungs, Democratic, you know, we need democracy, we need a voice. Where's our voice? First of all, you didn't even do it right. You're, you're misinforming people on purpose. And You know what I love about the president? Is that every single clown that spreads misinformation, he retweets. And they think, they're like, ooh, I got an in. No. You don't. And you know how you can see it? When they retweet them, you know... I'm just going to leave it at that. Just pay attention to your president's tweets. And I think uh, someone on his campaign even said his tweets are important. They are very important because he is very transparent. So when you see American journalists and politicians just, yeah, it's totally Russian interference, Russian this. They all told you how now Russia is trying to frame the Ukraine, but everyone's getting arrested. And there were lawsuits beforehand. That's what you need to think of. You need to think of that. You need to think that if this was indeed the intelligence community, why was the NIC not activated? Why didn't they call all the specialists, right? Why didn't they call all the specialists? I mean, you would definitely call all the specialists, right? You want to know what's up. So you're going to make sure that your National Intelligence Council, which are, you know, specialists from around the nation in their own domain. So if here we have cyber hacks. If here we have interference, if here we have placed advertising, if we're, here we have assets being activated, who are you going to call? You're going to call the expert in PR, the expert in paid um, placement ads. You're going to call the expert on anything Facebook, social media, SEO. You're going to call everybody and their mother coders. And some experts, I'll tell you, some of them are even kids. Linguists. Pattern recognition experts. Soviets, Russian experts, EU experts, EU commission experts, German experts, crown experts, old crown experts, new crown experts, all of the experts on the planet that were needed for this would have been called in, and they would have a meeting, and then they would tell the other agencies what they need to know or ask for specific information. That's how it works. So the fact that the Nick was never asked to come in by Clapper first, massive flag that you can see from space. The fact that this was a political thing, right? Ooh, interfering in our election, why wasn't the INR of the State Department activated? <laughs> that's like that's like textbook. It's like it's like knowing, oh, when I hurt myself, I if I get a cut, I wash the wound, um, dry the wound, and then slap on a band aid. So you wouldn't do the whole wash the wound at all you just skip to the dry it and band-aid not like you won't get the result you want but if you get the water you might get a better result right a proper and honest result because you can't go to the doctor and say oh i don't know why this is all like oozing and stuff well did you wash the wound before you dry it yeah i didn't do that then that's why you have garbage you see? So what they did was they didn't wash the wounds. (laughs) They let the key players that could have been uh, honest out. But on top of that, you know, they also handpicked them. And of course, there's no bias. I mean, that would be ridiculous to think that Peter Strzok and Lisa Page didn't like the president and that they were tweeting things like insurance policies. How dare you even think of that? But you know, what do I know, right? What do I know? The thing is, What we need to be looking at is the money. Because those that know what they're talking about, those that know the intelligence community, those in important places, like in the White House, not just you and I, those people, they know it's rubbish just from that. And I, I think it's important that you know that. Um, it's important that we all know that, that we understand that regardless of what they say, whatever cartwheels they do, whatever perfume they spray on that report, how many hearts and stars and sparkles and bedazzling the report they do, it's garbage. It's rubbish because they didn't wash the wound. They didn't have the proper uh, people in so when you hear 17 intelligence agents no they weren't there were actually two fbi doesn't count they're all grunts they're not intelligence they're just law enforcement they're not intelligence they shouldn't have access to intelligence systems they're just law enforcement you never implicate the fbi in any intelligence thing unless you need law enforcement activities to be conducted or to garner information that law enforcement may have on a local level that is it So, just from that, you can see just how insane this hoax is. Just from that, you can see how incredible this push, this push to attack the people from the media is. Dark time in 2019, you've seen nothing yet. Because when I put it down, I'm going to put it down on paper for you guys when I have the time. But that is what you need to know. There's a process. There's a procedure. If we really have a big national security concern like aliens coming, you think that it would? the FBI would be in on this? Come on, let's be honest. No, they wouldn't. Do you think the CIA, maybe, 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 would you think that the DIA would have like a group of experts, like kidnapping biologists and physicists, and bring them all together? Yeah, who, do they, who are they? The National Intelligence Council, right? And that is totally custom to every single uh, threat that the nation may come to. The National Intelligence Council is a huddle. It's a huddle that comes together to target one problem. And does this National Intelligence Council report to anyone? Not really. They actually give direction to the Department of Defense, to the, to the DIA, to the CIA director, and to the White House. Sometimes the president doesn't even know who these experts are. Sometimes, right? I, I, for, for, yeah, sometimes they don't. Just so you know. They don't. So that's something that you need to to remember that this wasn't a proper procedure. Why? Because it wasn't honest. It wasn't honest. And this is something we need to see. This is the year of vision. This is the year of clarification. So the only thing they're doing is uh, promoting misinformation, right? And that comes from both sides. They are dividing us because divided, we can be conquered. Hmm. There are so many of us out there, uh, you know, across the nation that are so tired. We want things done. But how do we get it done? You can't. It's very difficult to do it instantly. I mean, in, 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 simp- in simple terms, I would totally love to just send the same squad that went to Roger Stone's house while his wife is deaf sleeping upstairs. With guns drawn, it could have gone so pear-shaped. I want to send that to Clapper's house. I want to send that to Brennan's. I want to send that to the Clintons. I want to send that to Farkas. I want to send that to Newland. I want to send that to Pyatt. I want to send it to Yvonne. I want to send it to everybody that is part of the crew. I do, instantly. But we can't do it like that because, unfortunately, as you can see, if the media has poisoned even yourself listening out saying, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize that it wasn't 17 agencies. Oh, my gosh, I really, I could have sworn, yeah, FBI is the federal, like, police, the head of police. Yeah, you're right. They're not intelligent. Well, I didn't even know what the National Intelligence Council is. What the INR? I didn't even know that exists in the State Department. Now that you know, can you see why we can't throw them in? Can you see why we can't do it that fast? But the time is now. The time is 2020, and it has to be perfectly timed. Perfectly timed because we have elections. Perfectly timed. October surprise, October. Well, maybe we're going to be having surprises every single month. Every single month should be a celebration of this because that is exactly where we need to be. We need to be able to eliminate confusion. Among the people of the United States. We need to be archiving. We need to be discussing. And then we need to be finding things that matters. Because the message is all that matters. It doesn't matter who puts the message out. Okay? It doesn't. It doesn't at all. Who puts the message out is not the concern here. What the concern here is, is how willing are you to make sure that message goes out? And that's where we're at. And this is it. Time that we have to get this done is very limited. Remember, January 7th is a very important date for them. January 7th is where they've made a lot of things happen and have done a lot of things in history, right? And January 6th, they're coming into session. January 7th, you better believe it that they're going to start this impeachment. And they're trying to change the rules, right? And, and, and I think... Um, I'm really glad that I have Scott Adams uh, coming on, I guess, for the, for the last hour. He's going to be with me, uh, where we can actually discuss a lot of things um, and kind of let you into our little huddles over the phone when talking politics. Um, but with that in mind, I thought it would be great to just reinforce to you how this was a hoax, not from the fact that they were selected and they were biased and they hated Trump and they were working and their family members and they're all in the same groups and they run together, you know, whatever. No, it's a fact that they didn't follow the rules because if this was indeed national security, the NIC would have been called in. And since it's political, it's not the DIA, it would have been who? Um, It would have been the INR Department of the State Department to be called in for input because they deal with foreign policy, politics in general. So since the first one, which is the NIC, was not there, so obviously not all intelligence communities. Because the NIC represents every single intelligence community, even the ones that aren't on books, even the ones you've never even heard of, even the ones that movies have kind of inferred exist but don't really. Yeah, those intelligence agencies. So the NIC would have, indeed, if it was part of this report, been legit an intelligence community assessment. So that's the first thing not an intelligence community assessment. Next thing, three agencies. It's two intelligence, CIA, NSA, which never opines, and the FBI, law enforcement. They don't even work together on a normal basis, which is even more bizarre, and I've I've been saying that for a while. The CIA is so murky right now and the FBI that it just needs to be gutted we need to reset it I mean we've done it before where we terminated agencies and restarted agencies and I think this is the time to do that because it is way too murky and I know all the other intelligence agencies are PO'd because there's no continuity and no transparency on who what when and where that's the problem if you don't know who you're talking to and you don't know who you're supposed to be talking to then how do you do your job Right. So um, this is the year that we all wake up to the facts and wake up to what is really going on um, and understand that when he says this is a hoax, he's not talking about the attacks, the personal attacks. He's talking about actual on-paper textbook hoax. That's the problem here, textbook hoax. So uh, right after this short break, I'll be back. Hopefully I'll have Scott Adams with me from the get-go. And um, we'll just discuss stuff. Uh, I think I'll probably just hit it off with um, Nunez and how um, he had a couple of issues with Chief Justice Roberts, because I want to talk about that with um, Scott Adams. So I'll see you all in just a bit. real news. All hey, right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So while we wait for Scott Adams to come, I thought I'd start again uh, talking a little bit about Chief Justice Roberts. Uh, there was a meeting that I have been referring to that happened during the first week of January. It was um, Advisor Hera that actually started Hera, right? That's my eldest, um, who started this whole conversation. Um, she was the Assistant Secretary for State of Eurasian Affairs um, with Victoria Nuland. And um, the Democrat, Warner, in the Senate was also communicating with her. Now, it was in um, June of 2016 That uh, Newland allowed Steele to meet with the FBI's um, representative in Rome, out of all places, in Italy. This is why we have, uh, you know, constant visits in Italy. Rome, Rome, Rome. Wow. Have you seen that a lot of stuff about Rome are coming out? So anyway, here's what I want to tell you. (laughs) Why did Steele meet with the FBI? Because we've got intelligence attaches, foreign relations attaches riddled in our consulates and embassies and office. I can even point out the hotels they stay at. So tell me again why we have the FBI. So, what's really bizarre is that Hera was chit-chatting with Warner, and um, she pretty much said that, you know, they're trying to move things along, and they talked about it, and things are happening, and she also confirmed that Newland was aware of the information that the State Department was giving Congress uh, talking about Russian interference. So, we had people in the State Department tainting information, providing misinformation to Congress while they were planning all this. So this is the first week of January. This is after the executive order that Barack Hussein Obama signed right before the new year. This is right at the time that General Flynn made phone calls, right, completely in his job description. So they even colluded to put it to secret, no foreign, right? So it could be sealed for 25 years. They were so excited. So excited. And, you know, Judicial Watch got some of those emails, right, where in uh, on January uh, 18, 2017, Johnson actually confirmed that classified documents were sent to Senator Corker and Senator Cardin. Cardin, who was in communication with Hera and Newland, who coordinated the meeting between Steele and the FBI rep. FBI. Not, not someone from the INR. Not, you know, foreign relations, Nath let's say, right, INR division. That's what they are. Uh, not, you know, intelligence, but FBI, okay? And they were so happy that that Turkish guy, who was senior advisor to the assistant secretary for European and Eurasian affairs, Naz Darakolu, who worked with HERA, said uh, kind of like hail mary we made the deadline thank you everyone for what was truly a department wide effort and then our president swore in they had finished what they could do on what on the advice of the judge oh we need to make sure there's no disinformation we need to make sure that uh you how we can fix this. We need to make sure that this isn't happening. Well, let me tell you about Chief Justice Roberts a little bit. Let me just take you back to 2018. And at that time, Chairman Nunes said that They were thinking about inviting Chief Justice John Roberts to testify before Congress as part of the committee's investigation into the FISA courts. Wait a minute. Did you know about that? Yeah, it kind of got reported and he let it go. Because, you know, he oversees the FISA courts, so maybe we should talk to him. No, that's not why they wanted him. We already knew every single one. Every single judge that signed off on that FISA warrant needs to be removed from the bench. We're talking about Contreras and how he hung out with Strzok and Page and how they organized this cocktail party to meet. But everyone keeps forgetting the first rat, Collier. Obviously, she finally got down on the same day, a year to the day that I would said that she needs to be removed. Pretty funny, huh? But here's the thing. Nunes was actually asked by Hewitt if uh, he spoke with Roberts about the um, intelligence abuse uh, that the DOJ and the FBI did during the 2016 Trump campaign. And he said, well, we kind of, like, went back and forth with it, and we decided that we wanted to complete the FISA abuse portion before we got to the courts. So the next step with the courts is to make them aware, if they're not already aware, that this happened by watching the news. So we'll be sending a letter to the court, do you see? Because he said, the problem is separation of powers issue. I mean, they didn't have a problem in thinking, do we send it to the Supreme Court or send it to the FISA Court, right? But if this case, because Nunes knew, it's going to end up in the Supreme Court, uh, sending a letter to Roberts would conflict the court. So that's why they kept him out. But think of it this way now. We have Chief Justice Roberts, who's going to be overseeing the impeachment trial. And remember, it's not his first uh, rodeo because he was supposedly slotted in for the Ken Starr before anything. So that was one of his first goes at it with the Ken Starr thing. So that is what's crazy, is that Chief Justice Roberts is now, you know, using steganography to let the corrupt senators, and we all know who they are, that are Republicans, know what's up. And because it's so polarized, you watch them change the rules and make the votes be secret. Oh, my gosh. So what really, really, really is bizarre is that there's this news, you know, thing going around. How... Judges want to educate people about how the government works when so much false information is going around. And he wrote this. Chief Justice Roberts wrote this. And it's like, you clown. Why don't you educate them how an intelligence community assessment report happens? Because the ICA we got was rubbish. It wasn't even by the book. It didn't include agencies. They were all hand-picked. So if you really want justice, why don't you start with what they gave you, to give them the input. Why don't you start there? What a liar. He is the one. Huh? You know, we just need to recreate Lincoln. Lincoln, you know, <laughs> totally got rid of his. Chief Justice, let's do this. I'm ready for it. Because we don't need grandstanding clowns like this. You can't. Because when the source of this whole thing was rubbish, we don't need people like this on benches, especially in the highest office. He said, and I quote, we should celebrate our strong and independent judiciary. Rubbish, what did I tell you? The only thing that is the most corrupt, we already know legislative branch is like done for, right? (laughs) Done, right? Due to majority, done. But the judiciary portion is the one that's compromised. We're seeing judges across the nation, Supreme Court, district, federal, all getting fired and disbenched, dethroned, because they are the problem. And the president even tweeted it out, right? And here's, here's what else he said. We should celebrate the strong and independent judiciary, a key source of national unity and stability. But we should also remember that justice is not inevitable. We should reflect on our duty to judge without fear or favor, deciding each matter with humility, integrity, and dispatch. That's what he said. Now tell me, where is the humility, integrity, and dispatch when we see court cases every day being tried? How many judges have you seen be rude, nasty, and biased? Tons, right? Now think of the FISA courts, right? Now think of Chief Justice Roberts. This is where it comes down to it. This is how we fix it. Justice Sandra Day O'Connor had founded this group, right, called iCivics to promote civic education in schools through free educational online games. And Sonia Sotomayor actually works with that group, right? They all want to educate people. But the thing is, they're not educating people where they need to. They're not telling them exactly what's going on and how it's going on. Why? Because the less people know, the better it is for them, the more that they can get away with. That's the way it goes. And that's what sucks is that we let it happen. This shouldn't be allowed. It should not be allowed. Remember, uh, Roberts had responded to President Trump and said, we don't have Obama judges or Trump judges or Bush judges or Clinton judges. That is a lie. That is a big, fat lie. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And that's the problem because we've never had impartial Senate and Congress for the past 50 years and then some. So, yes, we do. We have problems, we have concerns, and we know that this is of grave concern for everyone. What they are doing to our nation is horrific. I mean, bottom line is, listen to the kind of person we have running right now that used to be vice president, says things like this, and nobody bats an eyelash. Because this is totally normal. Take a listen.
5: How old are you, honey? You're 11 years old. Talk to me before we leave, okay? How old are you, honey? You're 11 years old. Talk to me before we leave, okay? How old-
0: and that's normal? That's normal? So that's the kind of stuff that's okay to be paraded around in our nation as a politician? That's normal? Mm. It seems like they've reinvented the word normal. Right. It's pretty incredible. You know, so many things going on. You know, Pearson CEO, we know, stepped down. We were waiting for that. Book deals, book deals, book deals. Big thing. Now we're seeing Igor Pasternak's name come in. Now we're seeing the whole voting thing come in. But uh, there's a clip that I wanted to play for you that I didn't um, yesterday. And it's about Obama's Ukraine Russia expert allowed the annex of Crimea corruption in Ukraine. I want you to listen to this. Actually, knew
3: about this uh, attempt to get and preserve information, and full transparency. We're doing some work yourself. Tell us. Well, about I was I was urging my former colleagues, and and frankly speaking, the people on the Hill. Mm-hmm. I, it was more actually aimed aimed at telling the Hill people get as much information as you can, get as much intelligence as you can before President Obama leaves the administration, because I had a fear that somehow that information would disappear with the senior people who left. So it would be hidden away in the bureaucracy. Um, that the Trump folks, if they found out how we knew what we knew about the the Trump staff dealing with Russians, that they would try to compromise those sources and methods, meaning we would no longer have access to that intelligence. So I became very worried because Mm -hmm. not enough was coming out into the open, and I knew that there was more. We have very good intelligence on Russia. So then I had talked to some of my former colleagues, and I knew that they were trying to also help get information to the hill a lot going on today yeah. Mar- that's Elson. why you have the leaking exactly. people are worried
0: people are worried, they should be worried because all their dirty laundry is coming out and the fact that they manipulated nations upon nations now I mentioned earlier that I had retweeted Secretary Pompeo in regards to Iran, Iraq, the whole debacle that he deleted which was like what? but I want, to, I want you to listen to this clip that the State Department just tweeted out, take a listen Mm, if it wants to play
2: language there we go Anything else
0: well, here we go wait there we go
6: language is important are these protesters militants or something else well so you know there were actually protests today but they weren't as our, at our facility the protests were over in tahrir square these were uh the iraqi people as they have been protesting for months against the corrupt uh, leaders inside of their country. They just want a sovereign, free, independent Iraq. Today, the people that came to our embassy are people like uh, Mohandas and Haidel Mary, mari people that we've known for a long time, That are U.S. Some people that used to be That they were, they were people who are designated terrorists, who showed up at this facility while these activities were taking place and watched these actions take place, standing at the front gates to our, our embassy. So make no mistake about it, this was directed uh, by the Iranian leadership. And many of these people are designated terrorists.
0: Okay. So what's important to say here is that there's a note on the front. It says, Let's be clear, US embassy attack US Embassy attack orchestrated by Iranian backed terrorists. Now, a terrorist doesn't enter the White House, so that means that they were classified terrorists After the fact, because when the Iraqi leader had come, the Iranian IRGC guard guy came too. And that was one of them that was standing at the gates. Did you hear his words? Standing at the gates. So he stood there because he wanted to be seen. He stood there so you can identify Iran. He stood there to put the pressure because Iran needs help. See, this is how they ask for help. This is how we diffuse situations. We're not going to be going to war with Iran because we don't want war. But we need the side of Iran that is the problem. The side of Iran that is the one causing these issues. The side of Iran that's being funded by Brotherhood money. The side of Iran that sits with Al-Qaeda. The side of Iran that has change makers. The side of Iran that has loyalty to whatever underground shadow global government is in place. That side of Iran needs to know that we're really serious. And the only way to fix that is by what? Getting the people of Iran, the people, the average people, and the average people of Iraq to stand up. That's what is needed. But the Prime Minister of Iraq said on Iraqi Radio waves days before this even occurred. You know, with all these tensions and stuff, I might be stepping down. You mean he wasn't comfortable with the pressure of the people that own his tush to do what, to allow this to happen. So he might go away for a bit because he's not come. Kind of like the judge in the Hunter Biden case recused himself because it's in Arkansas and Arcanicide is a real thing. So it kind of makes you think. This guy has kids. He's got a family. He's like, man, I'm not doing this. So how many judges are going to recuse themselves from this child support claim? Are we going to have to take it to the Supreme Court too? Is that the point? When are we going to find someone that has the cojones? Because there's a lot of little people out there right now that have stood up to the biggest monsters, global monsters, global, 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 slip, global, powerful people. And they face fear and do not care because they have faith. And it's, it's, it's incredible to see it. How we see so many people standing up, so many people standing tall against the wave of evil that is coming at us. Wave of evil. Wave. It is so bizarre just how incredibly evil these people. They have no morals Nothing that will stop them from doing what they're doing. That's what sucks. You know, what's funny is I saw Rudy Giuliani tweet out, the legacy of Obama and his point man for Iraq, VP Biden, who failed to get status of forces so troops could remain. Brother James, however, was much more successful for the Biden family enterprise. Obtaining, obtaining, get this, one-third of $1.5 billion housing deal in Iraq. James was as well-versed in housing as Hunter Biden was in oil and gas. Pretty incredible. And I'm so glad that this is being put out there like nobody's business. You know, there's a reporter, um, Hanif Yazieri, you know, he talks about Iran, the The massacre in 1998, freeing Iran, um, policies in Iran, he knows what's up on as much as possible. But I want to revisit the notion that I had told, the the statements and the factual statements that I had said. That USAID, the only reason USAID bank balances don't match that of Treasury, which that's another thing I'm hoping that in Treasury our general counsels are a bit better, but... The reason that they couldn't balance it is because of what? They were buying a lot of real estate and moving a lot of cash. So you have to think, for an organization that supposedly, what, what is it called? Promotes democratic values to other nations, meaning superimposing stuff. Um, <laughs> it's pretty interesting how, uh, you know, they can't balance books, but they're moving just like black market movers do, which is... Uh, let's focus on cash and real estate. And again, you know, I was having a conversation with someone that's been that's so dear to me yesterday. Um, you know, all of us are investing in stocks and portfolios and how big our bank balances. But the the bottom line is is um <laughs> why are we being told about all these great things with this fake monopoly money that the the Federal Reserve supposedly makes for us? While all of these people are buying up real estate, gold, and just assets, like tangible assets. Stuff you can have sitting on your desk that you know that if money goes poof and they press the delete button, poof, you've got a silver coin sitting on your desk that could probably feed you and your family for maybe a week. Or a gold coin that will feed you for a month. Or two gold coins that will feed you for two months and then some and then some. Why Why are they smarter? ah because they've told us what we need and where we should be paying attention to non- don't don't listen to other people here's what we're going to tell you oh you need to do bitcoin too because that's really good because you can manipulate it as you want because there's no delete button because what if you woke up one day and bitcoin someone pressed delete or removed it completely uh, what happens then tell me what happens then how do you how do you come back from that if that actually happens pretty interesting I want you to listen to Joe Biden from back in the day. Senator Biden, it's nice to
5: have you here as the youngest member of the Senate, the one, therefore, who may expect the longest career there. I wonder if you'd say to us, since it's clear that you're not corrupt and you got elected, why should people think that the system produces corrupt results when there you are? Well, I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt, but I thank you for that, though. The system does produce corruption, and in, in, I think implicit in the system is corruption, when in fact, whether or not you can run for public office, and it costs a great deal of money to run to the United States Senate even from a small state like Delaware, uh, you have to go to those people who have money, and they always want something. We were told that we politicians, as the young kids say, rip off the American public. I think the American public, in a way, rips off we politicians by forcing us to run the way they do. To raise $300,000 $300, is no mean feat. And unless you happen to be some sort of anomaly, like myself, being a 29-year-old candidate and can attract some attention beyond your own state... It's very difficult to raise that money from a large group of people. I'm a 29-year-old oddball. The only reason I was able to raise the money is I was able to have a national constituency to run for office. Because I was 29, I'm like the token black or the token woman. I was the token young person. I went to the big guys for the money. I was ready to prostitute myself in the the manner in which I talk about it. But what happened was they said, come back when you're 40, son.
0: Huh, I was ready to prostitute
3: myself,
0: you know, in the manner that I'm talking about, just to get some money, right? Because he needed to get out there. He needed to get it done, right? So, uh, you know, what's funny is, is that there's so much, like, where do we go? I'm like, <laughs> There's so much we need to talk about. It's so crazy. Um, I'm going to retweet something for you that's going to blow your mind from the Energy Department. And specifically, they have the symbol of an atom, which, by the way, is also the symbol for intelligence in the Navy, um, a crypto, etc., and a telescope, and it says 17 labs in 17 minutes. And it's a pretty interesting, um, information type, um. <laughs> let's just leave it at that. Uh, so I've, I've retweeted that. For those of you that are on Twitter, I'll then later on this afternoon um, repost that on the Facebook Tory Says page. Or usually I share most of the stuff anyway on the Red State Talk Radio uh, group page. So let's think about all of this, like all of this that's going on. So we've got Chief Justice Roberts saying, oh, don't listen, there's fake news and we need to educate people. We've got candidates that are complete losers, you know, like... Julian Castro pulled officially out of the race. I know who he is. I remember seeing his shoes. He had, like, really long shoes, and I think he was really short, too, right? Um, so I know who he is, but I didn't even know he was still in the race. I thought he was way gone. So now we're seeing them dwindle down with not uh, any sight for a good candidate, um, And as the 7th of, well, the 6th of January approaches, we see more things coming to the forefront. We see uh, Congress having meetings in basketball, baseball, football, theaters, uh, concerts, uh, which is curious. We're seeing the president moving full speed ahead. We're seeing our foreign policy having to take a shift because uh, tomorrow... Uh, Secretary Pompeo was supposed to be leaving for the Ukraine and ending at the money uh, spot where I said most of the oligarchs have a passport of uh, which is uh, Cyprus and that has been pushed back. Why has that been pushed back? Because a lot is coming up. A lot is coming up that we can't seem to throttle Uh, they are trying to draw the narrative elsewhere they are trying to draw our eyes and our attention elsewhere i mean you have to listen to this clip overseas challenges u.s facing array of external issues in 2020 take a listen
7: policy challenges for a trump administration already facing an impeachment battle here at home State Department correspondent Rich Edson sets the table for what could be a very busy 2020 overseas. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's first trip of the new year is off. The State Department says monitoring events in Iraq, the assault on the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad, will keep the Secretary in Washington.
6: I'll make sure I'm in the right place to ensure that our people, the people of the State Department and Americans, are safe and secure in the Middle East. And if that means I have to change or delay my trip for a bit, that's what I'll do.
7: Administration officials blame Iran for the attack on the embassy compound in Baghdad and warn the sanctions campaign they expect against Iran in 2019 will continue in 2020. Iran is one of several foreign policy challenges the Trump administration faces in the new year. The administration says it plans to build on its successes. Democrats say there's mostly been failure.
6: I think the innate weakness of his foreign
7: policy, which we've seen not just
6: in the Middle East, but uh, with respect to Russia and China and certainly North
7: Korea. North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un is threatening to unveil a new strategic weapon.
4: He likes me. I like him. We get along. Uh, He's representing his country. I'm representing my country. We have to do what we have to do.
7: Kim says his country is no longer constrained by his agreement with the president to halt nuclear and ballistic missile tests. The U.S. tried unsuccessfully for a year and a half to get North Korea to dismantle its weapons. Kim now promises to move even further away from a deal. And while the president says he's ready to sign phase one of a trade agreement with China in two weeks at the White House, there are a host of economic and human rights differences between the two countries. The U.S. has supported democracy protesters in Hong Kong and has denounced China's surveillance, detention, and re-education of its Uyghur Muslim minority. And there's the prospect of a peace deal with the Taliban in Afghanistan, differences or cooperation with Russia, Nicolas Maduro's endurance in Venezuela, a Ukraine-centered impeachment trial, questions on the U.S. relations with its oldest European allies, and all else unexpected from international events or an unpredictable president. Rich, there's also some tension with the folks across the street in Congress and Saudi Arabia. Yeah, certainly on foreign policy and one of the hallmarks of the Trump administration has been a stronger relationship with Saudi Arabia, certainly as a check to provide a greater check on Iran. But there's a lot that's gone on in that relationship with Saudi Arabia, the killing of Jamal Khashoggi from a while back, uh, and some of the other issues, human rights being an issue, uh, the war in Yemen. These are issues that Congress has started to push back on creating some tension there as well. Dr. thanks very much.
0: So, yeah, indeed. We have a lot of uh, fires that we need to be uh, put out in regards to foreign policy, foreign events. Uh, You know, we're seeing them escalate across the planet, and it seems that they're all happening right now, which is just a coincidence, of course. But one thing that we need to know is that something very, very... um, Big is going to be coming. I want you to listen to one of my most favorite clips that were played uh, during this New Year's Eve party that the president was throwing. Take a listen. The
8: trial. Would testify the trial? I would
2: testify. I would um, do demonstrations. I'd give lectures. I'd give summations. Or i do what i do best. i try the case.
5: I'd love to try the case. Would,
8: would you, you back to Are case? you going to? Are you telling us well, to be I
5: don't prosecuted? know if anybody would have the courage to give me the case. But uh, if you
2: give me the case, I will prosecute it as a racketeering case, which I kind of
9: invented anyway.
0: Ah, Rico Suave, a racketeering case. That's what's um happening here now i know that i'm trying to get scott adams on the line i don't know if i've successfully I'm here. done so oh excellent so scott adams is on i wanted scott to play this clip and i wanted you to tell me what you think about uh, paul pelosi quickly because i know you know I, have you looked into paul pelosi and oh yeah and Asked
2: nancy pelosi but, on twitter about an oan goes. report regarding bombshell accusations against her son paul pelosi jr Here's the, the report by One America's Chanel Rion.
8: It's been a year of shady children, grown children of elite politicians, that is, with the... The investigation into Vice President Joe Biden's son Hunter in full swing, names like Chris Hines, the stepson of Senator John Kerry, are surfacing in conjunction with billions of dollars in international crime. Add to this stew Paul Pelosi, Jr., House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's son. Investigative reporter for National File Patrick Howley broke the story of Pelosi, Jr.'s dealings in Ukraine back in October of 2019. I asked Howley the story's genesis.
9: Well, Chanel, I got a tip on a secure line saying that there was a lot more to this Ukraine situation than the press was letting on. And it turns out that Paul Pelosi, Jr. has longstanding business interests in Ukraine.
8: Paul Pelosi, Jr. is an executive at a company called NRG Labs and a board member of a company called Viscoil. Energy Labs, in a promotional video, featured first Nancy Pelosi and then her son, Paul Pelosi, in Washington, D.C.
4: My name's Paul Pelosi. Of course, I'm on the board of Viscal Oil.
8: Snopes.com, a leftist organization that claims to verify facts roundly counters the claim that Pelosi Jr. is associated with Ukraine. However, NRG Labs' own video seems to contradict this claim by showing Viscoil and NRG Labs, by their own admission, have been active in Ukraine. The same day Paul Pelosi Jr.'s promotional video was posted, NRG Labs' YouTube channel confirmed its work in Ukraine.
9: When Paul Pelosi Jr. went over to the Ukraine in 2017, he was representing the Corporate Governance Initiative, which was his company, and touting an endorsement from the World Sports Alliance. He claimed that he was meeting with the Ukraine government to discuss a youth soccer program. However, we now know that the World Sports Alliance was a diamond mining scam and also a cryptocurrency scam. Paul Pelosi Jr.'s good friend and business associate, Asa St. Clair, who ran the World Sports Alliance, is now facing 20 years in prison and is being Prosecuted by the Southern District of New York.
8: As the FBI started investigating Pelosi Jr.'s friend and business
9: associate Asa St. Clair, questions turned
8: to Pelosi Jr.
9: The FBI has interviewed people about Paul Pelosi's uh, business activities. In early 2019, they met with Karina Feng, who is Paul Pelosi's ex girlfriend, in order to discuss. Paul Pelosi's business activities. Karina Feng told them that Paul Pelosi represents himself as the office of Nancy Pelosi when he does foreign business deals.
8: Howley has interviewed Fang She has shown him emails, text messages, and secret signal app messages, proving also that Pelosi Jr. abused her and has taken away her children and property. But Howley says the uncovering of this story betrays a much larger problem.
9: We are watching a group of political elites be- ...being exposed and weaponizing their power against regular people. When you see Hunter Biden trying to smear and discredit... ...the mother of his unborn child or his ex-wife... ...who's trying to drag him back into court now. When you see Paul Pelosi Jr. using child protective services... ...to take the children away from a woman who he once had feelings for. When you see the vindictiveness and the pettiness of these political elites... ...against regular people, you realize that the conflict is not a partisan conflict. It's a conflict between an entrenched group... of people who are doing shady deals all over the world and they are weaponizing their power against people who are calling them out about it.
8: Going back to Pelosi Jr.'s ties to Viscoil in Ukraine, Howley says the Viscoil ties raise intriguing questions.
9: This was a company that was uh, based in California. It's now suspended by the state of California. It's been reconstituted a few times. It was registered to David Strawn, who is the business partner of uh, Jeb Bush and George W. Bush's cousin, John Ellis, and also a man named Sergei Sorokin, who is a well-connected businessman based in Moscow, Russia.
8: It's such an amazing story, if true, The opposition will dismiss many of these stories against Pelosi, against the Bidens.
9: Everyone has seen the evidence. We live in a time now where the corporate media does not represent the people. It represents entrenched political interests in order to deflect from their own corruption.
8: Cowley says Pelosi Jr.'s story may well expose exactly why elite politicians are so intent on squashing stories tied to their Ukraine money deals. The question now is, as the son of top Democrat and Speaker of the House, will Paul Pelosi Jr. show himself to be above the law? And will media display its complicity by turning a blind eye? Chanel Rian, One American News, Washington. Okay, so
0: Scott, you know how much I love Patrick Kelly, right? And I work with him. He's sure. done some really great work, and I'm hoping that he also takes the information. Do you remember a couple months ago, you and I were, like, talking on the phone how I found that Epstein, his commodities investments were in oil companies and energy. You remember that? I think it was, right. like, last year, March, right? And I got a bunch of data on that, but I kind of put it on the back burner. So I'm actually going to hand it all over to Patrick right now. Um, Tonight, actually, I've started composing that email. But you know what's interesting is that energy is also one of those portfolio things that Epstein had. What do you think of that? Do you think that Epstein's going to blow the top off of everything? Because if we unseal everything Epstein, I think they all come down. What do you think?
10: Yeah, I do. I mean, Epstein was involved with a lot of different companies. And, you know, what's also interesting about Paul Pelosi and his, you know, Basically, his connections and ties to, you know, cronyism. InfoUSA is another company. So, the Gateway pundit revealed that Nancy Pelosi's son, Paul Pelosi Jr., was given a lucrative $180,000 a year position with InfoUSA weeks after his mother became Speaker of the House, despite having no experience. What's InfoUSA? Well, it's a trusted data resource center. 100% mailing list, guaranteed mailing list, full service marketing campaigns, 25 million plus businesses, 245 million plus consumers. That's the whole country. So, this company has all these lists. How do they get their data? They get it through Nancy Pelosi, the IRS, and a whole host of other people. So, you got Paul Pelosi, and don't just stop with 180 grand. That's a side cash. He does nothing for that. That's just a payoff. Uh, You know, that's just a way to launder money, through a payment. But the access that they're getting and it's going all toward, you know, toward uh, Democrat operations. So this is to me, this is campaign finance right there, Uh, you know, corruption right there. But, you know, Trump has tweeted out, any answers, Nancy? Donald Trump tries to get a reaction from Speaker Pelosi of a report alleging her son may have been involved in a Ukrainian corruption scandal. So Donald Trump prompted Nancy Pelosi, according to uh, the Daily Mail, um, and she's given no answers. But, see, they made the bed that they're sleeping in right now. I mean, they made this bed, and they woke up a sleeping giant, but they've also... They're the ones with all the exposure. They thought that their plan was going to be a blockade, like Q said, blockade. They thought that so long as we're investigating Trump, the mainstream media is going to carry our water and Trump's not going to be able to lay a glove on us, we'll call him for obstruction. That's exactly the playbook they've played from, but it's still not working because Trump understood and Trump knew that that was the card they were going to play. So, you know, he had he had answers for that. And one of the answers is Giuliani. The other is the fact that, you know, you get someone like Porinchenko getting his offices raided and all the information that they're going to get from that raid. They, they're going to find nothing from a Roger Stone raid, but they're going to find a whole boatload of stuff when they go into Porinchenko's offices because the guilty parties are the ones with a lot to hide. You know, those Joe Biden calls that, Lindsey Graham, you know, called for, I'm sure Pompeo has already shared them with the president and Giuliani, you know, and well, it's going to help Durham out too with his investigation. You know, I the, think when this whole thing breaks open, it's going to be a major league scandal that is going to bring down the whole house. Well, the thing
0: is, is that now that we have all of this coming to the surface, and Patrick made a great point, and uh, through a discussion I had with him a couple of days ago, uh, the the whole point is is that they are weaponizing everything against average people everything. They are weaponizing. That's what we're learning. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, and now that I see that the Supreme Court, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court tries Roberts. to, yeah, Roberts tried to throw them a bone by saying, oh, you know, we have a lot of fake news, as if to empower the mainstream media to continue doing what they're doing. That is how I read it. I mean, uh, how did you read that? I know that he's no, dirty. Like that too. Right? Because he now that saying,
10: all... Don't believe Believe what you hear from the, tr- uh, from the truth tellers. Believe what you hear from the fake news outlets.
0: That's what I heard, too. And that's scary because, uh, you know, it comes back down. You know, I was, I, and I've told you this, the three branches of government, the one that's the most problematic
10: is the judicial. I think that was coded language as well. I think he was basically saying that. And, you know, a lot of the deep staters were nodding their head. Okay, thank you.
0: Well, you know, yeah, and that's what I'm seeing, too, that it's kind of trying to throw some, hey, I'm still here, we got this, you know, we're trying to balance this out. I mean, Barack Obama, you know, Hussein literally had the guy that was standing in front of the gates, and I played the clip um, where Pompeo was talking about it before you got on, I don't know if you heard it, but they stood at the gates, and you could see them on video just standing there in the still while everyone is. Propelling molotovs and rocks, and you name it, and they were trying to break down doors. So, this guy is standing there. Hadi al Almiri was just standing there. And that's what's bizarre. It's like, why would he just stand there? Because usually people that orchestrate things don't reveal themselves to the point. Like, it's kind of like in the movie, you know, when the big, you know, evil guy, he has all his minions attacking a fort, right? And he's standing there while the storm of all these people coming upon the fort is going. And he's standing there with the wind blowing his hair back, looking super evil. And he's like, yeah, you better know it's me.
10: The question that you would want to ask, too, this guy is obviously militant. He obviously hates America. He obviously, you know, is on the wrong side of uh, what we're fighting against in the Middle East. And yet in 2011, he meets with Obama in the White House. But he was a mere like secretary of transportation in Iraq at the time
0: and he was actually with iran too
10: you know he was part of the irgc well iran yeah of course but there's a lot of people in in the iraqi government that are pro iranian i mean that's how you do it just look at russia and ukraine but you know uh, the thing is is that when he met with obama in 2011 he was involved with transportation what in the world is he Mm -hmm. doing in the white house I'll tell
0: you why. You want me to tell you why? Because well, remember, that's when they were selling airplanes. It, uh. They were selling airplanes to Iran. Remember when the Obama administration got caught in 2017?
10: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: And they were selling all these airplanes. Remember that, that um, uh, boutique firm I told you about in Connecticut, where these guys were going to jail because they they were representing clients that had like you know airplanes, and it turned out that they were selling them to Iran. And these guys didn't know they were being sold to Iran. And the guy that was sitting at the top of the list, he was the CEO. He walked away with no charges, but everybody else, you know, COO, president, co-founder, CTOs, all these guys of this boutique, you know, investment or asset firm, all face jail and the guy that walked away who is now sitting in the Federal Reserve in Pennsylvania, which is so bizarre. He just walked away unscathed while the other guys took the fall and they were like, dude, we didn't know that they were selling plain Iran. We thought it was this company. That's why we were negotiating the deal. The CEO made the recommendation and guess who's out of it? The CEO that made the recommendation. So it was all about planes. But here's the thing. Uh, you know, Pompeo actually tweeted out yesterday about, oh, the day before yesterday about, oh, it's a, you know, I just spoke with the Iraqi PM. I'm so glad, like, he, interviewed. he deleted that tweet. When does the Secretary of State delete tweets? Do you see what I'm saying?
8: Mm-hmm.
0: That was bizarre. Because what I was thinking is, if this Iranian is, like, standing there saying, look at me, I'm in control, I'm in the center of all this, and I'm bringing it on, I'm thinking this could be kind of like a, like a PSYOP on the Iraqis and the, and the bad Iranians. Do you see what I'm saying? Maybe utilizing Hadi al you know, to, you know, push this forward. I don't know. I mean, it seems so bizarre. It's like, you know, you play a video game, you watch a movie, the bad guy standing in the middle while everyone's attacking. Like, when does that ever happen? You don't see George Soros standing in the middle of the protesters. You know what I'm saying? You don't see Barack Hussein Obama standing in the middle of the war zone, you know, while everyone's shooting bullets. So what happened here? That was like, it was so strange, and I was like, no one's thinking this looks really bizarre. Like he's just standing there, and it was so orchestrated. Porta potties, water, people were handing out beer bottles with like, you know, uh, the cloth, you know, to throw mulattoes. And it's like, what, what, the, what is going on here?
10: Like, is this for real?
0: I mean, what is You're your take on about that? about
10: Baghdad still, but you also brought up Pelosi. Yes. I'll Paul. tell you
0: why I brought up Pelosi on this. So is did that? you know, okay, and this is, I'm waiting to get the documentation. Did you know that um, in Iraq there is an energy company uh, that um, Habib Al-Amiri has stake in that Paul Pelosi, Jr. worked through with a California-registered energy company? And it now comes out that Biden's brother also had a lot of real estate in Iraq. And I'm thinking with all of this stuff creeping to the surface, I think their orchestration of trying to create turmoil, foreign policy turmoil across the globe is super backfiring because all this is coming out. Like, what do you think?
10: Well, that and hey, we need to get rid of the riffraff. Let's go ahead and create a a need for a refugee crisis so that all the fighting age males can actually flee the region and, and, uh, not conflict with us when we want to take ownership of all the, you know, all the booty in the region and not have to fire a gun. And they all fled to Europe. And Europe was all too obliged to actually, you know, rig their voting, uh, machines with democrat voters who were you know basically dependent on the government dull and turned fighting age males into sheep by you know everybody at the time was thinking you know they're invading europe now they weren't invading europe they were being herded by like sheep by the cheap herders of in brussels to uh take everything that could cause the threat to them out of that region so that people like you just said you know biden buying, pro- you, know, you know, not even buying, just gobbling up property, but also those oil pipelines, you know, going through Syria. But, you know, the thing about it is, too, with Syria, no, nobody ever thought that Syria was going to collapse because everybody knew that Russia wasn't going to let that happen. They got targets. They're never going to give that up. That's their, that's their strategic partnership in the Middle East. They're never mm-hmm. going to give it up. Mm-hmm. So people like Lindsey Graham and John McCain and whoever else, were all too happy to just keep this perpetual war. We're not going to win. We're just going to make money every month, you know, to the tune. they probably make like 60 grand a month or something like that, you know, green lighting, you know, the weapons distribution channels. And, you know, all these photographs of, you know, Amy Klobuchar and, and John, John McCain and bed with, uh, you know, uh, all these Baltic state countries, both in January uh, on New Year's Day while Trump was in transition. And directly and immediately after the Trump inauguration, and we remember we were talking about how, you know, that guy that Trump strong-armed, Don't go Marovich from uh, Montenegro, that guy that Trump- Oh, yeah, that's right. Get the hell out of my way, mm-hmm. you know, was the guy that is photographed with John McCain and Amy Klobuchar and Ben Sass and a whole bunch of other corrupt swamp creatures in the Senate. And there they are. You know, uh, hobnobbing with the money laundering capital of the world, one of the most corrupt countries, Montenegro, and one of the most corrupt leaders.
0: And maybe so, that's why he pushed him out of the way. He's like, get out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was no, like my favorite movie he did. Uh,
10: the holdup of the articles of impeachment. And that whole monster is funny because we know that Adam Schiff is in big time trouble. Do you know that it's something I've never even shared with you. I was reading this American thinker article American thinker article. And um there's this guy named Kevin Pickett that wrote for them. And he wrote this, he dig, dug dug up some research. You know, um a lot of people want to know, like, hey, when was Sean Misko hired? Was it in August, like everybody said? No, it was the day after the call. July twenty sixth was when he was hired. A 37-year-old with a sleepy eye. I know a guy that actually knows him. And here's the thing: Pickett reported earlier that the two, Eric Ciaramella and Sean Misco. Okay, again, we know we agree that it's wiretaps, right? You and I both agree we're we're dealing with wiretaps, and we're dealing with key figures to deal with the wiretaps and communicate, you know, all the information. In a, in a roundabout they, way. That they collect, <laughs>
0: yeah.
10: But check this out. So it turns out that Sean Misko and Eric Sierra Mella were bro-like. They were best buddies, like real close buddies. They had an extended friendship, united together in all things anti-Trump. And he says here, Sierra Mella and Misko were described in the Washington Examiner as workplace friends who had similarly antagonistic attitudes towards Trump. My understanding was that they were friendly with one another," said the former official, who was senior to Sierra Mella. They would walk around the halls, get lunch together, and stuff like
0: that. Well, I don't know. Were they like a couple or just friends? They
10: were. They were. They were more. They were intimate. Yeah. Okay. So that's where they were taking. They were sort of like um, Anderson Cooper and. you know, his co-host.
0: <laughs> okay, not Don Lemon and Jesse Smollett. Not a one, one-off one thing. It's like a, a <laughs> perpetual I thing, right? Know. I'm just saying, because, you know, he had his, you know, direct I line. Was, that was one of the first co-hosts we supposed had. just to
10: figure that someone like Adam Schiff, is friends with Ed Buck, would hire a guy like Sean Misco.
0: <laughs> right? Totally random, especially if they run <laughs> in the same circles. I'm just saying. Well, I'm going
10: to get a twofer. I'm going to get someone who actually has... Classified, you know, it has a class of, you know, security clearance. I want to get somebody who's worked in the White House in both the Trump and the Obama uh, regime. And uh, I want to get somebody also that might even, you know, throw in a little side perk for me.
0: Yeah, and, and that's and that's the way it's coming out. I mean, what do you see? Because, you know, I'm sorry with the tech difficulties or whatever, um, and we only have like four minutes left, literally. Uh, what do you see happening this week? Because the president has been quite silent-ish today. Like, what do you oh. see coming up this week?
10: I think you're going to have a, a little bit more from Giuliani. I think more tea leaves are going to be – I mean, he's killing them – Well, Neil, I I believe that Trump is all about Sun Tzu. He's all about letting the enemy come to you and get close enough to where you can, you know, cut their throat. I mean, I really believe that. And he is luring them in, and he is baiting them with every tea leaf. I think Trump has the goods to take it all down right now, but he is going to do this at the most opportunistic time. And, you know, frankly, who would you want to run against if you're Trump? Joe Biden because you know you could take him down in one weekend.
0: Actually it would be Elizabeth Warren because she doesn't know how to talk. And the minute we bring up the fake honest thing, she's done. She's going to be like uh yeah, but uh, if she were to
10: pick some someone like that uh the, you know the um like we were talking about the black governor the black governor as gubernatorial can- candidate Yeah, the one that you black-
0: predicted she would get and
10: in- I still think it's possible she met with them. And so, you know, he campaigns in Florida and Michigan and no other place. He just lives there. And she wins Hillary State and that's how you win if you're a Democrat. So that there's one possibility there.
0: Well, okay, so just to close this off, and just for you to ponder and me, something came up. You know, you remember how months ago I was talking about how social media giants or uh, CEOs are moving, right? And we see that Jack Dorsey is now living in Africa, right? Um one odd thing that on January first was tweeted out by Twitter. It said, "New decade, drink water." What do you make of that statement? How bizarre New decade, is that? What? New decade, comma, drink water. I'll retweet it so you can see it. Oh wow! So th- what does that tell you? That's gotten you know almost eight hundred thousand likes, right? Uh, Who and tweeted that? Twitter, the official Twitter account, and Jack Dorsey just retweeted it. Oh, wow. So what does that tell you? That's actually quite cryptic, and that's steganography that, uh, you know, is pretty, pretty crazy,
10: if you yeah, ask me. Yeah, I have to think about that phrase.
0: Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, what do, you, do you think that the president is going to have any reveals, uh, t- you know, this week, uh, coming today in the afternoon or Friday? No, or do I you think re- hit the well, ground
10: running Monday when session comes in? I definitely think that Pompeo has cooperated a bit. Uh, that's why you got the movement with Porochenko in investigation, tearing down, you know, raiding Pornchenko's offices. I think that should tell you something right there.
0: Well, Scott, thank you for joining me.
10: Tell everyone where they can hear you and. Scott Adams, dot com and I'm um, live 8, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.
0: Thank you, everyone, and from all of us here at Red State, God bless. We'll see you tomorrow.